0: Holly G with the Golf Insiders, with Bob Herrig from ESPN.com for today's tour talk. Well, Bob, he was putting some paint on the leaderboard Sunday, birdie paint, and Sam Burns uh, posts a 68 to uh, easily capture his first win at the Val Spar Championship Sunday, um, this guy's got some game. It just seems like we say that every time we get a first-time winner, Bob.
1: Yeah, he definitely does have some game, and he's he's kind of knocked on the door a few times, and now he uh, now he pushed it open, and that's you know usually what they say is is you need to get through once, and then it makes it easier. Um, you know he's had a, a few 54-hole leads. He's he's been in contention over the final 18 a few times, and. He's had 36 whole leads and just not been able to break through. But you know that's the way it usually works with young guys. You you take your lumps for a little while, and then you you win. I, guys like Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland have sort of spoiled us. Yeah. Usually not that easy. It's not that easy, you know. So uh, so Sam you know Sam Burns was you know basically a rookie in 2019. So he's only been out there a couple of years. And uh, and uh, now he's got to win, and uh, you know he's going to play in the PGA. You know he'll, he'll he's almost assuredly in the U.S. Open, and he's qualified for his first Masters. So it's uh, it's all pretty exciting.
0: It's big stuff when they get that first win, isn't it? And just uh, you know the confidence boost, the trust in their game, uh, just going through that experience, and you know finally uh, finally getting the job done. And uh, somebody who may have had some nerves coming down the stretch just didn't seem to be able to keep his driver under control, Keegan Bradley. I was rooting for my New England buddy, Keegan. Um, You know, he's been out of the winner's circle for a while, one of those guys that's struggled with the whole, you know, uh, uh, long cutter. Um, And uh, it's been tough for him to get his game back.
1: Yeah, and you know, he was hitting the ball great through 63 holes basically. Um you know, it was one of the best in the field in all the major categories and then all of a sudden kind of lost it. You know, he uh you know, he didn't hit a great drive on 11, uh, although he still made a birdie, I believe, on the par 5. He hit the water on 13, which is really surprising. I think there was only two balls in the water there all day. It, it wasn't a sucker pin. Um, it was, you know, it wasn't a pin that really required you to go over the water. Um, and, you know, he came up short. And, and and obviously that was the breathing room there. You know, that's a double bogey. And yeah. now, it's, now it's a two-shot lead for Sam, and Sam then birdies the next hole, uh, the par five, you know. And, and made life a lot easier on himself. So, you know, Keegan, you're right. He's fought the putter ever since the change, to, you know, the, the inability to anchor.
0: Right.
1: Um, you know, I, I, I hold him up as the the prime example if you want to use one for why the rule should not have been changed. Um, I see all the reasons why it should have been. In fact, you know, I I probably side on, you know, where you shouldn't be able to anchor. But the problem is is that they were so far down the road with it. Keegan was a guy who kinda grew up putting that way. You know, True. like when he started to get good at golf, that's the the method that he chose. He didn't choose it because, you know, he you know, was losing his putting right. like a lot of guys did. Yeah. You know, he was doing that in college. And that's all the way you know, and that's the method he refined. And so then ten years later now he's gotta go back to to putting a different way. I mean it's um you know, it's almost like I don't know, throwing left handed and now you're gonna throw yes. right-handed. right handed. It's complete it's completely different.
0: Yeah, Just totally foreign.
1: Yeah, and uh you know, he struggled and and uh it's cost him, you know, so but uh, you know, he gave you know, he's been playing nicely this year. I don't think he should put his head down over it. I think he uh you know, he had a really good tournament. And uh you know, hopefully he sees that as a as a as a positive rather than a negative.
0: Yeah, and he was in the mix with some of these, you know, young young studs, if you will, Victor Hovlin, as you mentioned, Cameron Tringdale, Abraham Answer, Max Homa, who's the defending champion at Quail Hollow this week. Um, let's turn to North Carolina where uh you just landed. And um, what are your, you know, what are your thoughts for this week? Of course, we've got a really strong field after a couple of weeks of people, you know, taking off from the Masters, but this always proves to be a a good test.
1: Yeah, you know, we're sort of back in looking ahead to a major again. You know, uh, there is, I wrote about this today. You know, there's a little bit of a lull after the Masters. You know, know, Hilton Head is. Is, is is the opposite of Matt of the masters when it comes to intensity and there's some guys who really like that vibe
0: don't say and that the always- steward sink bob
1: <laughs> right <laughs> you know i mean he he did great there and a yeah. few guys from augusta went there including Dj and Morikawa and you know wills al Yeah. you know they they played there and it's it's for some they really like that you know that feeling of going there after the Masters, and then you've got New Orleans, which is a team event. You know, which is is you know it's 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 the perfect event to have two weeks after the Masters. Yes. Uh, and then and then we had you know Val which is, you know is going to go back to March next year. This is a one-off this year. You know, things ramped up a little bit there, uh, but now we're two weeks from the PGA. A lot of guys are making their first start this week, uh, including Rory and. Uh, John Rahm and, and Bryson—they're they're playing for the first time since the Masters. You know, the PGA—you know—the next major is only two weeks away. Uh, it's only—you know—we're—we because because of the pandemic, we we didn't have this last year, and it's—you know—this is only the second time we've had this—you know—this kind of new schedule where, you know, the PGA comes up on you really quick
0: sure after the
1: Masters. Yep. And so, uh, you know, I think you'll see the intensity ratchet up a little bit now. There's, you know, Wells Fargo traditionally has a a really strong field. and That's the case again.
0: Well, uh, I read a story uh, that mentioned Rory falling to a decade plus low in the world rankings. How about that one?
1: Yeah, you know, it's.
0: Who would have thought really two years kind of, ago, after the role he was on, winning the players, et cetera?
1: It's, it's really kind of a shock. I mean, uh, uh, you know, this time a year ago, uh, when we were, oh, you know, we were still a few weeks away from resuming, he was number one. That's right. You know, he he had a pretty strong spring, even though he didn't win. He contended a bunch. He had won in the fall in China. And then started out twenty twenty pretty strong with several good results and was a solid number one. He had replaced Kepka, who's also pretty far down the rankings. Now I think I think Kepka's twelfth or thirteenth. And uh, you know, Rory has just never gotten it going since the uh si- since the restart last June. He's he's really not contended. I mean he's he had top tens at the Masters at the U.S. Open last fall, but wasn't really there with a chance to win on Sunday. And, uh, you know, now things have gotten, you know, even worse. He missed the cut at the players. He missed the cut at the Masters. He's brought in a new, a new guy, Pete Cowan, to look at his game. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say it's bleak, but it's, it is kind of surprising that it's gotten to this to this point. And uh he's uh you know, he's in and, and, and in two weeks he's going back to Kiel where he won the PGA in two thousand twelve, which hard to believe, nine years ago. Yes. You know, so um
0: We we uh, hype so be- much on poor Jordan, poor Jordan, haha. Um but uh, you know, Rory's really starting to look like you know, he's he's got some uh, ants running around that brain.
1: No doubt, you know, and uh, uh, so we'll see. I mean, I think this is a big week for him again because this is a place where he's had success. He's won here a couple times. He's finished high. He likes the course. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what's transpired since that missed cut to, to now. Yeah,
0: um, perhaps maybe this is, you know, the little boost or turnaround, uh, that he needs coming into the PGA championship. So, uh, where are we right now, Bob, in terms of, you know, the, the season coming into the second major, although we're already halfway through the wraparound season. Um, you know, obviously there've been uh, some surprises, of course, with, you know, Brooks Kepka and with Rory. Um, we're seeing, uh, A tightening uh, FedEx Cup standings here with uh, Justin Thomas at the top of the FedEx Cup standings. Bryson DeChambeau, Victor Hovland. Uh, It's it's a real interesting mix in terms of of players and positioning right now.
1: Yeah, no nobody's really forged ahead. You know, Bryson's won twice this season, the U.S. Open and and Arnold Palmer. Stuart Sink has won twice, but hasn't done a whole lot else. Nobody else has two wins, um, you know, on uh, on this season. Dustin Johnson's in a little bit of a slump. You know, six straight events now, without a top ten. JT won the players, but, you know, has been mostly frustrated beyond that. Um, you know, John Rahm, I don't think, has even won this season, although he's had a n- numerous high finishes. He's probably playing... The best, the most consistent of anyone. Uh, there's a lot of people in the mix right now. I think you know we're we're waiting to see if Kemp gets back. You know he looked like he was back. Jordan obviously has had a nice run. So there's all kinds of names and possibilities here as we as we uh, move forward.
0: Yeah, we um, will move from uh, Wells Fargo to the um, AT and T. Byron Nelson, back to Texas, hard to keep up with this uh, bouncing (laughs) ball. And then, of course, the PGA Championship at the Ocean Course, Kiowa, where it's always blowing. Um, And, you know, we all remember the uh, famous Ryder Cup there in uh, 1990. You know, such a great golf course. Uh, You know, any early uh, thoughts on the PGA Championship?
1: I think that's one's really hard to handicap. Um, you know, it's it's a very neat course. Um, it's not likely to play as soft as it did in August of two thousand and twelve. Um, which I think is better. It, it they had a lot of rain that week. It softened it up. Um, and uh, you know, if it's firm and fast and the wind blows, it could get really interesting out there. You know, and I'm just not sure a lot of guys have seen it. You know, there's
0: uh, a lot of,
1: yeah, there's just a lot of different players, you know, not been there. Uh, You know, Morikawa went there right after the Masters for a media day. But, um, you know, I don't think too many you know, obviously the guys who played 2012, you know, there's a handful of them. But it's not like that's going to help them all that much now. Uh, so, uh, it'd be interesting, you know, if guys try to get there early or, or what they do, what, you know, the weather I think is going to be a big factor, uh, how that will be. I, it's, uh, I it sets up to be a very, very unique tournament where it's hard to handicap.
0: Yeah. And like you said, a, a lot in the mix, um, John Rom making his, uh, debut at Quail Hollow, um in the uh wells fargo that's that's an interesting note
1: yeah well you know he 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 needs to play you know he you've got to play before that next major i think you know you're you're not doing yourself many favors if you're going to go in there without a tournament after the masters so uh um you know it's uh and this is a good course and these guys like it and you know, they know it, and and so and competition's good. just seems like, you know, it, it always made sense to either play last week or this week or both as a way to get ready for the PGA. You know, some guys like to play the week before a major. Uh, it looks like Hideki's coming back next week, going to play, you know, first tournament since the Masters. You know, some guys like to play going in. Dustin Johnson is playing next week. He's not playing this week. You know, some guys will do that. Um, but, uh, you know, for the most part, you see guys play a couple of weeks before then take a week off.
0: I'm guessing, uh, Hideki and his team and relatives have probably, uh, polished off all the sake in Japan, Bob, after returning home <laughs> with the green jacket.
1: Yeah, you know, the crazy thing is, is he had a quarantine when he got back, and uh, I don't know if that was required at a hotel or at his home, but uh, nonetheless, it prevented him from, you know, being real public. And he just kind of, you know, got out of that about a week ago. You know, wow. like he got home, I, I believe, on the Tuesday after Japan time. And so last Tuesday, I think it was last Tuesday or Wednesday, he was honored by the prime minister of Japan and uh with the you know ceremony that he had his green jacket but that was like the first time he was out so basically you know he's really only going to be out and about at home for 10 days you know my guess is is later this week he makes his back he's way back here you know he does have a home in Orlando yes and I would think he'd, he'd probably go there first and you know, I don't I don't think he's been I don't think hideki has been back no, he didn't. He went right to the airport right. after the masters. So he hasn't been there and he might want to get a few things done and work out his game there and then head to Dallas. So uh it's gonna be interesting to see what kind of form he has because it doesn't seem that he would have been able to practice much. Um, you know, after going home. I don't think he would have been able to. Uh I don't know if golf was allowed or not as as part of those circumstances. These are all things we're going to want to ask him. <laughs> so we'll find out in a week or so.
0: Well, who's your pick, Bob, for uh, the Wells Fargo Championship? The beautiful Quail Hollow.
1: You know, I kind of like Max Holma
0: mm-hmm. Played really
1: well. Um, obviously, won here two years ago. Had a pretty good week at Innisbrook. Is having a good year. Um, it doesn't hurt to have some form. And... Uh, uh, so you know, I kind of I kind of like him. Uh, you know, he he won that far away from getting it done last week, That's and right. at a course that, at a course that he hadn't played all that well before. So and uh, one of the toughest well
0: one of the toughest on the tour schedule, isn't it? In terms of stats and and uh, how the players uh, view it.
1: Yeah, no doubt. It I mean, really, that copperhead
0: is well respected for its snake
1: bite. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. It's uh, It's got a good reputation. I think it played a little bit easier in the, in, in, at this time of year than it does in March. But it was pretty stout on Sunday. You know, those greens had dried out. It was really hot. It, it was The conditions were difficult. There was some wind. And, uh, you know, uh, it was hard to go low. It was hard to make birdies. I thought it was a good test.
0: Bob, I don't know if I heard this right but were they at 45% capacity at Valspar in terms of the fans that were admitted?
1: Really hard to say. They they have they had originally said they would be at 30% of their available capacity. Well, their available capacity could be anything. You know, you could just pick a number, you know. Right. So i I don't think they sold as many as they could have, but they clearly sold more than what we've seen. You know, they're look that way more, on TV. You know, if, if their normal numbers for a Sunday were 20,000, well, they had 15,000. Wow. You know, I mean, it, it was, it was definitely more than 10 or 12. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm noticing, you know, it was a kind of the same in New Orleans. I expected it to be here. There is a definite easing of these restrictions. And because it's hard to tell, like you can in a stadium, you know, I, I think these tournaments are pushing the envelope a little bit. And, look, I'm not necessarily saying that's wrong. Um, you know, we're learning that being outside, more and more people vaccinated, um, it's just less likely for there to be issues, and so I kind of get it. I kind of see where they're going
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but uh you know the idea of enforcing masks that that is seemingly you know not working out real well um, you know uh you know they're they're making you walk in with the mask, they're trying to tell you to wear a mask unless you're eating or drinking. Um, I think they're trying to enforce it if you're in a, in a, any sort of leisure setting, but, uh, there was a lot of non-mask wearing going on, uh, which look, again, look, I'm not saying that's wrong necessarily. I think we're getting, we're learning that being outside and especially if you're vaccinated, you probably shouldn't have to wear a mask anymore, but, uh, you know, the tour, I think wants to play it on the cautious side. Um, I would guess that there's a low percentage of the players that are vaccinated at this point, just given their age and schedules. You know, it, yes. it, it, it's only recently become available to everyone. Um, and not everybody has jumped right in because of, you know, hesitancy about having some side effects, you know, and all that. So, but, uh, you know, I, hopefully by the summer, you know, we're going to be, we're, there, there won't be any pretense. I don't think it does them any good to have these, you know, these, these restrictions and then nobody follows them. You know, if that's going to be the case, you might as well just drop them. Or you keep your numbers down and you adhere to them. You know, it's, it's a tough call. You know, all these tournaments took it on the chin.
0: Um, It's hard to,
1: it's hard to, it's hard to open up your doors again and not make any money. So, um, you know, it's, uh, that's where we are right now. I, I would expect this week will be pretty robust. Next week's Dallas, the same thing. And, and I would think P J Championship, they said they were going to have 10000 a day. I would be surprised if they limited to that. I would think, you know, they're, they're, they're not telling us attendance figures. And all they have to do is just, you know, if somebody says they want to buy a ticket, well, okay, here you go. How's anybody going to know? I wouldn't be surprised if there's more people there as well.
0: Well, it's all good news. It's great to hear the roars. Great to see the yep. fans. And, uh, we are starting to, I think, uh, feel like a little bit of normalcy returning, uh, to, to professional golf as well as our daily lives, which is a big sigh of relief, isn't it? Bob, thank you as always. Bob Herrick, ESPN.com. Thanks so much for spending some time with The Golf Inside.